Welcome to Nerdy Work, home of Canadian Nerdy Talk. Today, I am here with my brother, Brandon. How's it going today? Good, you? Ah, can't complain. It's a good Sunday. So, what have you been up to since last year on the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I think I was playing a little bit of Tomb Raider, reading oh. some comics. Like I'm definitely still following uh, Heroes in Crisis, and I think before summer, Doomsday Clock should wrap up, because I think the last issue was... That I got was nine, maybe. What's the run supposed to be? Twelve, just like the original Watchmen. Oh, okay. So they're just kind of pulling that in. Yeah, but it's an every two month release now, so I guess actually it would still even be six months. Hmm. Well, can't complain about that. Almost done. Almost to its conclusion. Yeah. Well, I guess you could complain about it one way or the other. No, I can't. I think, like, like. I've talked to several people, yourself included, before. I, I agree with them going from a monthly to a bi-monthly for uh, every two months. Sorry. Um, if the quality is maintained. I think not enough stuff nowadays does that. What would you say the quality has been maintained so far? Oh, yeah. like it, It's one of my problems currently with Heroes in Crisis is uh, Clayman did an excellent job on issue one and two for the art. I mean, this, the story is still bang on, but I mean, the third issue... Clayman has another artist helping, and I you have to forgive me, I forget who it is. I'd have to look it up at the moment. It's been a while. But yeah, they had help because, you know, like schedules, Clayman's got other stuff going on, and they're trying to stick to a monthly. Um, and then the the fourth issue that was just released recently is all Clayman again, but the next issue is supposed to have a completely different artist as well as the issue after that, which, like you and I have discussed off the mic before, I, I, haven't, I take issue with, no pun intended, uh, because just there are a lot of comic books nowadays. Marvel, especially, I find, in my opinion, is a huge, uh, huge offender of this, where they just cannot keep a good talent pool. They keep rotating in. Yeah, it's like a catch and release, but they they never keep the good artist. He just goes away for some reason. Yeah, or at least like I mean, objectively, like the ones I enjoy the artwork of. Like I'm not saying any of these other artists are bad. I'm just saying like when I pick up something like. I wouldn't buy a painting that I thought was hideous to put in my house. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Uh, who who was uh, who was the guy that kicked off of X-Men? X-Men Blue, I think it was? I uh, know, it was gold. Yeah, frick. Um, come on, brain. But yeah, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of your listeners would probably know. I'd have to look him up right now, but uh, yeah, like the guy who's kicked off for his uh, anti-Semitic stuff. But yeah, no, it's, it's just stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong, like, it's it's like a lot of fans said, and I agree with them, like, he, he was a very talented artist, and it was, it's a really stupid thing to throw your career away on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's sad, because he was such a, a really, he was a good artist. I mean, the women he drew were kind of manly, like, his Kitty Pride was a little really pride if you know what I mean it's uh yeah just kind of butch but I don't know I mean like it's 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 a trend we're seeing in comics anyway too like like one of the criticisms and I agree with this criticism for X-Men Blue 
is uh, like if you see Jean Grey, um, who years ago had her status as not necessarily what you would call a bombshell, like Psylocke and Rogue kind of took that more than Jean Grey, but uh, or even like the White Queen up to currently, like you wear lingerie basically as a suit. Um, read like young Jean Grey for whatever reason they drew her. It almost seemed like they were trying to draw out her feminine aspects. Like they cut her hair really short, gave it a weird hair, weird hairstyle, and like in a lot of cases you couldn't even tell that like she had feminine attributes. Like you read the comic and she's got like almost no hips, like just straight body lines, like not even really like there. And don't get me wrong, I'm not being a pervert here. Like there's no accentuation of the fact that she has even breasts. And it's like if you've seen Jean Grey in comic book publication history, like. No offense, there's no way a woman with cans that size later on has no indication of breasts at all. Like, I'm just saying it. It just, that's where a lot of people's criticism are. Like, it seems like they're really toning back the fact that Jean Grey had a gender. Yeah, which is kind of weird in itself. It's really indicative of a direction Marvel is taking. But anyway, that's not really what we're here to talk about. It was just something that kind of trailed off for, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arjun Siaf. I don't know how you pronounce that. Yeah, Arjun Siaf or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the, the art for the new Conan book, sorry? No, I haven't. I've heard so far it's got good reviews. Yeah, it, it looks really cool. It's really gritty, but... I mean, as it should be. I, like, the colorist just makes the right choices, and it's very descriptive. The inks look, like, bang on. If you if you have time later, just give it a little bit of look. I, I'm that might be like the first thing in a while. Other than what's that other one? That die, die, yeah. And which, I, if you haven't read issue two, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, but it, like even on Conan, right? Uh, the first one is is the artist I'm talking about, and then I I don't know who uh, Gerardo Zafino is. Yeah, I couldn't say either. That that's a problem with a lot of artists nowadays too. Like even prolific artists come and go so quickly that like when people are like, oh, you don't know who that is? No, of course I don't know who that is because like the talent pool in the comics industry just moves constantly. Like okay, like do you know who Jim Lee is? Yeah. Do you know who Adam and Andy Kubert is? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. obviously I know who they are. Um, hell, even uh, this looks really bad because I've totally blanked on his name, <laughs> but. Uh, Drew Spider-Man for ages, Drew... Um, Bagley? Yeah, Mark Bagley. Like, you ask me who those guys are, especially because Mark Bagley did the original Venom Lethal Protector run. Um, like, you ask me who those people are, and yeah, like, I'll, I'll know them immediately. Like, their style sticks right out. But yeah, like, to know everybody. And then, obviously, I have my favorites, which is probably mostly the ones I remember. Yeah. Who, who are some of your favorites? Oh, I mean, like... Like his career aside and a lot of the problems they've had with scheduling and getting comics done, Jim Lee has always been one of my favorites. Uh well like current favorite like Jim Jim Lee and Adam and Andy Kubert, I've always been a fan of. I feel like Andy more than Adam, depending on who Adam's penciler is. Or not his penciler, sorry, his uh, anchor. Because there was a while there in the nineties, like when he was doing Kazar and like later on took over X Men from his brother, where his like he has really good line art, but his inker would just like just super shadow everything. It looked like somebody tried to paint over his pencil lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; I made it look more like his old man stuff, like the thicker lining and everything. But, but uh, like for modern favorites, I would definitely have to go with like 
I mean, forgive me if I butcher his name, Stepan Sejic. He's one of my more like one of my modern favorites, I guess. Uh, one criticism I have, and I'm by no means saying that I'm an amazing artist. So many people are lauding a lot of his newer style, and I, I get why his newer style is a necessity. But I prefer his uh, older Rune. I think it, I think it's I think Rune was the name of uh, his fantasy book. I could be wrong. I've never read it. Um, but like his Witchblade stuff with Ron Mars, where it was super, it almost looked like super painted. Like it just had a ton of detail. And I get why his newer stuff is a lot more nondescript and a lot more bland because that kind of time is just not realistic in comic books. Yeah. There's a, there's a high turnover of art rate happening there. Yeah. So, I mean, like you see some of the stuff he did on Aquaman or even the first two issues of Justice League Odyssey where you can see in the paint program where like as it gets lower in the picture like Aquaman's arm like the green glove it'll just be like solid green and then a quick black whip to accentuate the direction of the arm and like there's no even detail to show like knuckles or water reflection or even like the muscle tone in the arm it's literally just like I got the mane of it out and just quick and dirty to finish the panel kind of thing which everyone who's ever drawn anything is guilty of because if you ever sat down for like four or five hours to draw one picture by about the four or five hour mark, you're like, uh, and you start cutting Carter. She's like, I would like to leave this spot before I die. I would like to stand up now. Yeah. No, I like Stepan Sedgwick. From what I've seen, I've only seen his stuff in Witchblade, and it was like hyper detailed and everything. Reminded me a lot about, of uh, Alex Ross, like Kingdom Come. Alex Ross is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I mean, no one's going to dispute that, though. Yeah, well. No one, no one can. Yeah, really. <laughs> because Alex Ross is just Alex Ross. I especially loved uh, Slot's rerun of Amazing, well, the first rerun of Amazing Spider-Man, because it was like Amazing Spider-Man for 14 or 15 issues, and I, I'm exaggerating, I know, it's not the actual issue count. But then suddenly, bam, after like, what was it, Secret Wars, we had the Spider-Man's Rich Now relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man. did that. Yeah. All new, all different Marvel. That's what it was. Because whenever I see the videos that where it's like an ad, I'm like, what the f- Oh, right. Yeah. All new, all different Marvel. It, not in Marvel Now. What yeah. were they calling it? Yeah. Marvel Now was like the new 52 of Marvel. Yeah. It didn't do anything. <laughs> Except yeah. for make Spider-Man rich. And anyway, uh, anyway, like rich Spider-Man. I love the Alex Ross covers for the entire run. Yeah. I, I, love, I love the one... Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what he's doing, but it's like he's got that blue spider in the front, and he's just like, no, oh, okay, because I, I love the cover for issue number one. It's got like James Bond, Peter Parker in the right hand corner, I believe, with like two ladies, and he's all like, ha ha ha, like rich philanthropist in a white suit. And then the main picture below it, um, I mean, obviously the people listening can't see that I'm gesturing with my hands. I'm actually quite the hand talker, but anyway, in the background there's a city, and there's like the spider cycle or what? What is it called? The spider car or whatever. And Peter's like leaping in front of it, doing an iconic Spider-Man pose, but he's the main foreground, and he's got the glow from his new mechanical spider, and the glow radiates out the web lines in his suit to an extent, and it's just, it's epic, and I like, it's the first issue, and there are so many other really good ones, but that one just stands out to me, like that was the perfect, just bam, like Spidey's back kind of thing for me. Yeah, that, I forget what that fucking car is called, the spider buggy or something. Yeah, the like, <laughs> the the one from the cartoon is like the spider buggy or something, like the one the Fantastic Four currently have, I guess. Um, 
and I don't mean like they're using it in the comic book. I mean, it's like, I'm pretty sure the last people to have it were the Fantastic Four. Like, they've got it in storage somewhere. It would make sense. Speaking of the Fantastic Four, have you heard that they might be making an appearance in Spider-Man PS4? That's what I heard. I actually heard the next DLC has a lot of hints that the Fantastic Four are going to be, like, front and center, which I think is really cool considering, like... And, uh, what was it? It's like, it's like literally the second issue or the first issue of Spider-Man. No, the first issue of Spider-Man's actual comic. He shows up at Four Freedoms Plaza. Hmm. Yeah, they're, I think they're trying to bring back the Fantastic Four because uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the Marvel logo on, uh, Twitter or Instagram a couple days ago. There's like a all new Marvel or something and the, and the, or maybe it's the Marvel has a four. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's could be a lot of reasons for that. Like, I know obviously the recent passing of Stanley, um, and like who created the Fantastic Four, like I co-created, obviously. Like, I feel I'm not trying to shit talk a guy. I just feel like whether it was his intent or not, he ended up at the forefront of a lot of stuff that he co-created. Yeah, a lot of people credit him with stuff that isn't necessarily just him. Yeah, just him, and it's unfortunate. But you know what? Like Jack Kirby, after it took a while, but he finally got recognized as a co-creator on some of these things. But I mean, that's just it. I mean, that's that's neither here nor there at this point. Like a lot of these people, they're deceased and. I think it really comes down to whether their families want to keep those legacies alive. And usually they do, which is a good thing. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it's not bad that everyone remembers Ditko and Spider-Man. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I think they should. I think even if not in a monetary way, like the amount of money, the cultural impact, just everything that's been done with the name Spider-Man and how much of the Marvel legacy has been built on that character. Like, definitely Ditko should get his due. Mm-hmm. For that, whether it's monetary or otherwise, is not up to me. But I feel, in some way, shape, or form, obviously. Well, yeah, and that—that's just it. Like, and don't get me wrong. I realized that Stan Lee did a lot of things, a lot of things for writing comics. But it back then, the artists got zero, zero. Well, I mean, they were like freelance credit. photographers. Yeah, exactly. Basically made money on what you produced and what they used. Which which is crazy to think about. It's just like... <laughs> the fact that now it's a career. Yeah, and back before then it, it was, was like... like that was like a sweatshop. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Well, I mean, like, you go through the history of anything. Like, even, even nowadays, like, Disney wouldn't admit it. But back in the day, like, they've got video of Disney animators making, like, Sleeping Beauty and stuff when they used to have to do, like, the panel-by-panel work. Stuff that actually we, as animation studios, pass off to Hong Kong now and, like, Korea. Because, like, you watch any anime and, like, 90% of the fucking names in the in the uh, end credits are straight up Korean. Yeah, the cell artwork. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's always been a low-paid, large group of people doing the brunt work in things like animation. And yeah. especially animation. Like, it, it, I think it's getting a little bit better now with the... With certain things, like I know a lot of animation studios actually use uh, computer programs now. So a lot of the cell uh, artwork is kind of fading out. It is. And I, like, once again, you have to forgive me because obviously I'm not like a Kevin Smith wealth of dates, knowledge, and names. But, uh, like, that guy's crazy when it comes to names. Oh, yeah. Dates and all. But uh, even Family Guy, I think it was like close to six or seven years ago now. Maybe even 10 at this point. Like I said, I'm not great with dates. 
but they, it was actually a huge deal for them when they announced that they went completely to computer program for animating their episodes as opposed to cell by cell. And it wasn't that long ago. Like, I think I could be wrong and correct me if you want, but I think it's less than a decade ago that Family Guy celebrated that milestone. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a Family Guy fan. I don't really watch it. I, I'm not huge on them either. I just remember them making a big deal about it on the internet. Yeah. Uh, if they like, there's no point not doing that. Uh, it, I mean, it kind of sucks though. Cause like you imagine all these talented people, like, like for the little mermaid, I forget how many cells of animation they said, or it is something, let's say something I know a little bit more about. Let's say like, uh, Akira, um, Katsuhiro Otomo actually painstakingly kept making frame by frame cells for Akira uh, because he wanted it at the time to display in more frames per second than even Disney was doing. Like, I think he was shooting for 28 per second. And even back then, Disney was still doing 12 to 16 frames per second. So, like, he went crazy and he drew all those panels. Like, one man drew all those extra panels to make his vision come to life. And so, in some ways, like, it's like, it makes me sad. And this is a lot of topics, so I'll get to it and then get back quick. But it's almost like, we go to places like Old Navy to buy, and I, I don't know, I, once again, you're going to see how little I know about buying clothes. Uh, Old Navy, just like I'm, I'm going to assume, let's say Walmart, it's like $20 a shirt, right? Well, those get made somewhere by people with skills that we all used to have or that were household skills. Like I just feel like craftsmanship is disappearing in some of these things with the replacement of actual, with increased technology. Um. So, yeah, like, it sucks that those animators made dick all and they put that much work in. But at the same time, like, it's like blacksmithing, you know, or uh, seamstressing. It's it's one of those things that it was an actual talent. And now we don't need it because we have, like, giant shops that just make everything like that for us. Yeah, which is unfortunate by its, by itself because, like, you buy, like, $300 jackets and shit and the thread starts coming loose almost immediately. You, you feel ripped off. I, I don't feel like the quality of uh, animation has dropped but uh i definitely it's definitely probably fallen down to more skeleton crew style things where you used to have like a whole panel room right so i i don't know i just think that means that we get what we want a lot quicker and it doesn't affect on that level it doesn't really affect the quality of the show no and i and i agree with you and a lot of it is like like, obviously, there are differences. Like, back when, uh, was it, like, Sleeping Beauty was made, which I believe was, like, forever ago. I think it was, like, the 1950s that Sleeping Beauty was animated by Disney. And the crazy thing about that is, like, it'd be, like, every one or two years that Disney would put out a movie like that. Like, it was a huge undertaking mm-hmm. for those obvious reasons. Like, the animation, the compiling, the coloring, like, getting it all, like, it just a crazy idea. And you look at it now and, like, between Marvel and Star Wars, Disney animated, Pixar, like Disney's 3D animations, like like Disney probably puts out and what I would consider like AAA titles across animation all the way to regular like shows, Disney probably puts out like well, like close to 20 a year. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say 20, but definitely a, a few, quite a few. And then they have those shorts that they started to do and uh, stuff like that. Uh, and on top of it, they have their own cartoons like uh, Star Wars Rebels and stuff like that, right? Well, and even their like kids yeah. cartoons and actually a lot of their live action stuff. Like, I mean, what was it they just announced? 
and like I saw this, I'm not overly interested in it, but I saw an advertisement watching a YouTube video where they've made like they're remaking Kim Possible as like a live action TV show. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in that. No, me either. I'm just saying like they got a lot of they got a lot of projects on the go, whereas like back in the early days of Disney the park and one or two movies were pretty much what they had on the go. Yeah. Oh, Kim Possible. I remember watching that when I was like sick days. Yeah, I don't think the worst show I've ever watched, but I don't see how being a babysitter makes you an international spy. I but forget I, how she became an international spy. She was babysitting someone and she was mistaken for an actual agent. And then she like beat the people who came to do whatever and they were like, oh, you should become an agent. So, Disney. so like her parents weren't spies or anything? It was no, her just parents like- are the Fantastic Four, man. Like, they build inventions and shit. Her younger brothers build all kinds of crazy space-age crap. I obviously don't remember the show all that well. I'm not making a good case for saying I didn't watch it that often. We, I remember watching it when I was sick, like, a lot. Like, uh... It used to be on a lot on the, on the Disney channel that was right above YTV on Star Choice. Oh, Star Choice. I still Star. have a receiver. Me too. I don't know where it is, but I know I have one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly where mine is either. But no, I mean, I guess like we've kind of come along in a conversation of overall quality. And like, I, I agree with you. I don't feel like animation has gone down in quality. In fact, some of the stuff we're seeing is just ballistic. Um, yeah. How, however, there's like a lot of anime out there, like say the Knights of Sidonia, like where it's definitely a drop. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to sound like that guy, but it's just it's it's what I've seen. Oh, Japanese anime 3D is disgusting. Like I'm sorry, yeah. you haven't figured it out. It's brutal. Like the 3D yeah. in the in the new Berserk series, the 3D they shoehorned into the last Dragon Ball movie, the 3D they crammed into uh, like Knights of Sidonia is exactly that animation the whole way through, and I guess I shouldn't preface it like I like on the whole a lot of their 3D is terrible. Like I personally don't think any of the Appleseed movies are terrible. Like I thought the three Appleseed movies were pretty damn solid actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that what that is is these these other studios like uh like the Knights of Sidonia. What the problem is is isn't like how they move or anything. It's the fact that it's so unsmooth and yeah like all the animation I'm talking about being bad looking fits that perfectly like you can watch the new Berserk series and it's yeah their flesh is like weird liquid clay and their hair is just gross non-textured black Mm -hmm. like it it works in some things though like it's the exact same animation they put in Blame and I liked Blame but you can tell you can tell this particular animation I'm talking about Whenever it shows up, you can tell exactly who it is, and I wish I knew the studio off the top of my head, but yeah, guys, like, up your game. Yeah, uh, up the frame rate a bit, so it doesn't look like... Well, I swear to God, sometimes it's like 20 frames per second. Like, the, barely. The crazy thing is, like, a lot of it is, I feel like there are a lot of PS3 games that outdo that kind of 3D animation. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's not like they have to form a game where you go out and do everything or you're allowed to do everything. They're literally on set paths on animated like cues and everything and it's still the frame rate is abysmal. Yeah, like we're talking about what amounts to an FMV that looks worse than a Final Fantasy 8 
FMB. Mm-hmm. It, it's just gross. And then you look at like Square, you know, like Advent Children. Other than not matching up the the voice acting to the lips, it was really good. Even Kingsglaive, like the most modern oh, application yeah. of that technology of theirs, is awesome. Like obviously, like Spirits Within was like a lot of people were new at that time. That was not long after like the first or second Toy Story when people were like, "Oh, hey, this is viable." Um, but yeah, like obviously the jump from Advent Children or jump from Spirits Within to Advent Children was pretty significant, and the jump from Advent Children to Kingsglaive, while actually not as a significant a jump between the first two. Is still a decent jump. See, I like. Don't get me wrong; they're not glaring improvements. I understand that, but if you look at the subtleties of how they move and like how they're talking and how their eyes squint and actually everything that's like body language on King's Glaive, it's like monumentally better in those areas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, it, but it's just one of those things where by Advent Children. They had their method locked down. Like, they had the overall idea of what they were shooting for. So, yeah, where, like, you see the differences aren't so much in how the characters are portrayed so much as just how they're modeled, textured, and lit. Yeah, for sure. Like, I I get what you're saying. The animation hasn't changed. Like, there's a bit of lighting. I'm just saying, like, they seem more human. And I think that's more the advancement that they had. So... It still looks really good. It's high quality, and it doesn't look noticeably different on the graphics, even though, well, it it is a bit, but you can definitely tell that, like, there's actually some, like, how far mocap acting, acting, sorry, has gone since Advent Children. Not that they could have really done all that high-flying Final Fantasy stuff with a mocap actor, I guess. No, but I mean you're you're right. It's 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 like Mark uh, Ruffalo is the Hulk. Obviously, they take his frame and they superimpose it over the size yeah. difference of the Hulk. I wonder. I wonder how that actually works with the Hulk. Like, because everyone has to have a marker to where the Hulk's face would be. You know what I mean? I wonder if he like wears something that's like taller than him and has like a Hulk head on it or something, so they know where to look. From the behind the scenes thing, like, yeah, I couldn't tell you, but they must. I just, uh, like, you see every now and then, like, directing cues where the director will come in and be like, no, 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 like, you see less and less of them, though, because the Hulk has become more of a regular character, and those actors are common to that work. See, like, don't get me wrong, the Hulk is more common than he used to be, but if you look in the last, well... Well, what, four four years he was gone before Thor Ragnarok from Ultron? They haven't really used him a lot. No, but what I mean is a lot of the actors who interact with the Hulk, who interact with the Hulk, air quotes, um, have interacted with him, once again, air quotes, have interacted with him several times over the course of other projects. So really, by this point, you don't, you probably don't have to tell Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr., or uh, Scarlett Johansson, that when you're talking to, air quotes, the Hulk, you don't look right at Mark Ruffalo, that you look a little higher than him, right? Yeah, but I I would still assume that they have some sort of marker on him. That's just me, and it might not be that way at all. It's just how I think about it. I'm like, I would need a cue. I'd be like, 
My eyes would be shifting up and down. Well, no, they would need a cue because obviously, like, you've seen when they record those scenes in mocap and, like, Mark Ruffalo's right there with them. So, like, it's not like they record their scenes and then they add Mark Ruffalo to them. So, yeah, like, you would definitely need to know where you're looking when Mark Ruffalo's acting with you. Yeah. You think he has to work out like the others do? No, luckily for him. Like, he's not a small guy by any means, don't get me wrong. But yeah, like he definitely probably does. he probably just has to maintain that figure. Like he just he doesn't have to get like like Chris Hemsworth in the first Thor, and even they've even like toned down what he requires since then. But like if you ever go back and you look at the first the first Thor, where he tries to pull Mjolnir, that guy's a beast. That literally looks like something right out of comic books. Just a giant like '90s comic books, like a giant mound of muscle trying to pick up a hammer, and it's like. Wow. <laughs> Tell me how that's healthy. Yeah. It's like that guy's gonna give himself a freaking hernia. If he doesn't already have one in the amount of time he had to put all that muscle on. Yeah. Like they put on that muscle quick and it's like daily thing. So it's like having a job every single day for like how long? Cause like the first store was like what, two thousand ten ish? Yeah, because what, the first Iron Man was like 03? I I can't remember. It's been so long. I'm pretty sure it came out before I was out of high school in 2005. So maybe it was 2003? I know it was out around the same time as the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. Because there was, there was like the big like, oh, which did the better CGI like argument. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. All I know is that like... It's been at least seven years. I'm going to say it's going to be like Chris Hemsworth has had to like maintain that figure for seven years. Which I mean, you know, like I I wouldn't want to put in that kind of time to be that huge. Like, don't get me wrong. I would put in the time to be in shape and everything, but I wouldn't put in the time to like look like a goddamn over-exaggerated Marvel superhero. Yeah, but I mean, that's what they require. Even though they could easily thor him up like they hulk up uh Ruffalo. I wonder I wonder if they do do that just to like some degree. Just like one day Chris Hemsworth's like, I can't get that big and they're like, Oh don't worry, you haven't been that big in all the other movies. You know what I mean? I doubt it. I not to throw fire or anything, but No, you know, you never know. Like the, the amount that we as the viewer actually know about what they're doing is who knows. Um but no, I mean, like, I get, like, it's expensive to do a lot of that CGI kind of stuff. That's like when they had, uh, what's his face, Henry Cavill come back in to reshoot some stuff when, uh, oh, come on, brain, do brain stuff. When he was when doing Joss Whedon came, like, had them come back for some of the reshoot stuff he needed. And they had to, like, digital, oh my God, like, I'm not even going to get into that. Everybody knows about that damn mustache work there for Justice League. But, yeah, like, you think for what they paid, I would just be like, nah, Superman has a mustache now. Fuck you all. <laughs> he he looks like Gomez Adams now. <laughs> yeah, like, literally, I would have been like, yeah, he's been dead for so long. Like, you know, maybe you like your skin and your hair keep growing. He's got a mustache now. Hey, if Raul Julia could do it when he was playing M. Bison, Superman can do it. <laughs> yeah, I would have just rolled it. I would have been like... No, like Superman just has a mustache now for like 10,000 or more, like probably more than that. But I'm just like, because I have no clue. Like 
for ten thousand dollars, fucking uh, Superman has a mustache now. I don't care if he looks like Freddie Mercury. Superman, Superman has a fucking mustache now, right? <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree. I would love to that, but <laughs> but it would have made that movie super hilarious because there would have been like points in the movie where he has one, and then points where he just doesn't. Yeah, I don't even. That movie was so disjointed. Justice League. Hey. Uh, I can't. Ashley watches it because, you know, Jason Momoa. But other than that. No, I know. Like, uh, I mean, thank God for Batman. But, uh, yeah, I just. uh, DC DC comic movies are just way too disjointed, honestly. Like, I, I like DC better than Marvel. I just, when it comes to the movies, man, like. DC's doing the same thing they've, they've always ever done like and, and don't get me wrong like Marvel has examples of this obviously like the Maguire Spider-Mans the Amazing Spider-Mans um, earlier Punisher movies blah 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 earlier Hulk movies blah um, the stuff that actual like Marvel proper didn't have any say in <laughs> yeah it's like um, Dolph Lundgren Dolph Lundgren yeah. Punisher yeah but uh, like Marvel's done a really good job from TV to movies creating a whole universe like they do with their comic books that's literally what they've set out to do and that's what they've done whereas dc does what they always do we have like nine different iterations of batman who are not t- like there's a batman and titans who is not the batman in the overarching dc universe there's uh the batwoman in uh the arrowverse who has nothing to do with batwoman anywhere in any official capacity like literally dc has taken the multiversal thing to heart um, at first, it seemed like their TV and their movies were completely separated, like a separate universe. And then in the TV series, because they fucked that up, now there are separate universes to explain how the Arrowverse fits in with Supergirl. Yeah, it just seems convoluted. Like, way too convoluted to make sense. I was talking to Duncan a while ago about Aquaman, because I saw Aquaman, and I was like... This is a good fucking movie. I heard it's like the Thor Ragnarok of DC. Yeah, that's I. I was I was actually telling people that I was like, if you like uh, Thor Ragnarok, you'll like Aquaman. And, and they're like, oh, I I don't see the difference, and I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But like, uh, starts out normal, moves to something that's kind of like out of their comfort zone, and then it's a brand new world. You know what I mean? And then they're like, kind of like held prisoner, and then there's this big arena battle where maybe the, something happens, and, and then you then, fight a sibling. Yeah, and then at the end, you you having another huge battle and then hero is victorious. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's, Oh, and he realizes like this extra power or whatever. Well, it doesn't realize utilizes it and notices he's special. So it's, it's very, it's very the same thing as Thor Ragnarok. Not that it directly copies. I'm just talking about a flow of the flow of the movie. No, I I hear you. And like there's reasons for that. Um, a lot, especially now with uh, Marvel's current climate in their movies with like a lot of people going over or not a lot, but I mean like James Gunn is on the DC side. So we're going to start seeing a lot of really familiar stuff. Well, and I'm looking forward to actually seeing if uh, James Gunn can do what he did for the Guardian. Like no one give a fuck about Guardians, what, six years ago? Well, honestly, yeah, the movie garnered a lot of popularity, but actually the uh, relaunch 
under all new, not all new, all different Marvel now actually gained some pretty good steam too. I wouldn't doubt that, but that was because probably because they had attention from the film. You know what I mean? No, that, it came that actually out shifted. The film. Oh, okay. Well, I, I just imagine it probably shifted their focus towards the comic book. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's popularity was one of the reasons that Marvel decided to take a shot on it. Oh, really? And so James Gunn was just like, I want, I want to do this, this, or this, and they're like, okay, well, Guardians is doing really well right now. I think it was a deal. I think James Gunn actually asked to do Guardians. Like, I think it was the series he chose because they're kind of like, okay, guys, like, uh, we're looking for directors and some directors are like, look, I want to do this. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think that happened with Black Panther, too. Like, I don't think they went hunting a specific director. I think he kind of came to them and they were like, yeah, okay, like, what would you like to do out of this pool? And he was kind of like, yeah, like, I'd like Black Panther. Yeah, like... Well, I mean, it makes sense, but after their movies, of course, you automatically see a jump in comic book sales for said movie. Oh, no, 100%. That's exactly what Marvel was doing, getting rid of the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe, was killing interest in the Fantastic Four. And they would have done the same thing, like, in the hopes of getting back that property in a very underhanded way. Like, there's several reports confirming this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, even documentation from within Marvel. Uh, and they actually would have done it to the X-Men, too, if the X-Men didn't make them so much money. Well, I, I here's what I think. I think they tanked the X-Men anyway. Oh, yeah. The movie series is definitely screwed beyond, like, aside from, like, can we say there's been an actually an act? And, like, let's be honest. Like, without all the comic book bias for anybody who might be listening, like, all the shade you might throw, let's be honest. Has there actually ever been a good X-Men movie that wasn't Logan? No, and I would call that a Wolverine movie before I'd call that an X-Men movie. But let's let's just that whole universe. You can call that an X-Men movie if you want. I feel I, I feel it's more closer to an X-Men movie than actual old Logan because it has a lot to do with like Charles Xavier and what happened to the other X-Men. It also has a lot more to do with Wolverine. Yeah, but so did the five or what, I think it was four. Maybe it was five. Forgive me. It's been years now. Uh, but the actual death of Wolverine comic book had Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler. Uh, tons of X-Men characters, but it was still a Wolverine story. Yeah, but in- intrinsically, it would have been an X-Men story, too. Because Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride, all those, even people, even Wolverine is a is an X-Person. <laughs> you, you could say that, but actually, technically, Wolverine showed up as a solo act to begin with, not as an X-Men. Yeah, but, I mean, he gained his popula- popularity when he was with the X-Men during Chris Claremont's run. So did the X-Men themselves. Exactly. Therefore, he's an X-Men. He's also an Avenger. Yeah, I'd say he's more of an X-Men than an Avenger. Oh, yeah, way more. Not that I didn't enjoy seeing him in the Avengers. Actually, did you hear, and I don't know if the rumors have been debunked, but word is, and they're not saying he's showing up as Wolverine. He might, but they're not saying he is. Hugh Jackman is supposedly confirmed for the, the next Avengers movie. Why would he was just complaining about getting old, not ready to keep up with this good of shape, and then he goes back to Marvel because he and Ryan Reynolds had both said they would love to see that they would love to do movies in the actual MCU as those characters. Did they did they confirm that's a large part? All that's happened is it's and it, this is what I mean. It, it hasn't from what I heard, and I could be wrong by now. I heard this a couple of days ago, so it might have been debunked by now, but. uh 
an actual listing for Hugh Jackman in the next Avengers movie showed up on IMDb and a couple of other sites. For so fans, game. no, sorry, for the next Avengers movie. So a lot of fans are like, oh, is he going to be Wolverine? Like, uh, would I love to see Wolverine show up in another Avengers movie? Which technically he could because by then this whole Fox thing will have gone through. Uh, let's check it out. Avenger, uh, Avengers 4 Endgame Wolverine Hugh Jackman News Breakdown. So they are talking about Endgame. No, I know. Like, I, I know that's what they said. I'm just saying I don't know if the if the quote-unquote leak has been debunked. Oh, even even if it is true, they'll tell you it isn't. Well, obviously, but I mean, sometimes there, there are giveaways that still give away plot elements but aren't actually true. Like for uh, Batman Arkham Knight, when like, oh, the Arkham Knight isn't the Red Hood, which, uh, yeah, jokes on you guys. Everyone knew he was the Red Hood. One yeah. of the big tip-offs that he was the Red Hood was the fact that when, uh, I believe it was IMDb as well, at the time listed Jensen Ackles as the voice of the Arkham Knight, which was interesting because, as you know, he was also the voice of the Red Hood in the Red Hood animated movie. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, he's obviously... Red Hood, and yes, he did turn out to be Red Hood, but Jensen Ackles didn't voice him in that game. It was uh, Troy Baker, which is kind of a hat on a hat because Troy Baker also voices Tim Drake. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just reading this. Yeah, it's like two Robins for the price of one. Well, it hasn't been debunked yet. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like they're not saying he's showing up as Wolverine. It's just his name showed up, and obviously because he played Wolverine, and he in the past he had expressed the fact that he did want to see Wolverine actually join the Avengers. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it would happen. I like maybe a quick cameo or something. I would love to see it actually be Wolverine. And like I said, this Fox thing is supposed to conclude either by the end of this month or the middle of next month if I remember correctly like it's a broad thing so obviously I don't remember exactly but it's supposed to conclude soon enough that by the time that movie comes out it would not be out of the realm of possibility for Marvel to legally be able to use Wolverine without the say so from Fox in an Avengers movie yeah well I mean they would own Fox and therefore they could just give themselves back their shit (laughs) and realistically like I don't know if this is what they're going to do but I wonder if they're going to kind of uh Secret Wars 2, the Marvel Universe, where literally when the Infinity Gauntlet rebuilds everything or they do something with the Infinity Gauntlet and bam, suddenly mutants are there and it's like the X-Men and all the other guys have been there forever. Well, here, here's what I wonder, because w- when the film wrapped up, Chris, uh, not Chris, wait, there's too many fucking Chris's, uh, not another teen movie, Chris. Oh yeah, Christopher Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans was like, it's been an honor working for Marvel, blah, blah, blah. It's got to come to an end. So I'm assuming this is his last movie is Cap. So I wonder what's going to happen to Cap. I don't. You've got the Falcon and Bucky Barnes as the Winter Soldier. So you've got two people who have actually become Cap when Cap disappears already in the MCU. Yeah, I get that. I'm just wondering how it happens. (laughs) Eats an old can of beans and gets killed by botulism. Botch. He gets killed by the botch. 
It's because he survived that flight like the, the kids from the first Final Destination survived. Yeah. Death comes back for him. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Crossover. <laughs> That'd be an interesting tie-in. Turns out Lady, like all of the Final Destinations are Marvel movies and it's just like their incarnation of death just hunting kids. <laughs> Devin Sawa is just American Constantine. Where is Devin Sawa? I don't know. I, I He must be either poor or very good at investing because I have not seen him in years. Yeah, from wild America to poor America. Oh, uh, wild America. <laughs> Such a good movie. I don't think anybody in that movie makes money anymore. I, I don't even remember who was in that movie, so I couldn't tell you. Well, I mean, I know, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, or if you are alive in the 90s, JTT yeah. is still out there. Like, he's currently on... Last Man Standing. Yeah, yeah which, I don't get me wrong, but before I say this, I want to say I love that show. But that is such an ego stroke to Tim Allen, man. That whole show, like, he's never wrong in that show. His <laughs> views are always right. All of his old neighbors from Tool Time show up. And his wife. I, I think I've seen his wife. Yeah, she's their recently. neighbor now. Yeah. And they actually reused JTT in one episode where he shows up as actual Tim Toolman's son while he's also the other character that's totally trying to move in on his daughter, Kristen. That motherfucker. Like, they're not even trying, bud. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I preface this. I love that show. Legit love that show. I, I, I like it because of... uh. The stupid guy. I forget what his name is. Kyle. Kyle. Fuck it. Kyle's hilarious. And just like his interactions and being like a literal person when he's talking to uh, uh, Tim Allen. It's just hilarious. Hilarious. And like Mandy and his like relationship and talking like that. It's a total comedic break. I understand that. But. It's just pretty good. But no, I agree. Like, and I, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, it harkens back to shows like Tool Time or, uh, like, Urkel's appearance in, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, Family Matters. Yeah. You know, like, everybody in Family Matters is, quote, unquote, a real person. And then you've got Urkel. You know, so, like, this is, this is a history of American television. So, I don't think it's weird to see something like that. Yeah, not at all. Uh I, I just like it. It reminds me of uh, the shows we used to watch is when we were kids. Like, Well, everything's drama nowadays, so you don't usually see a lot of those earmarks anymore. Yeah, you don't see a lot of sitcoms that are actually sitcoms without drama. Or they're animated now. Like, you get, like, Family Guy, American Dad, The Simpsons. Like, yeah, The Simpsons obviously being a long-running thing, but you know what I mean. Like, you got, like, Bob's Burgers, Archer. Anything that's going to be that goofy is usually animated now. Yeah. I, oh, I love, uh, I, I love Pops Burgers, man. I can't I, get enough of that show. I couldn't get into it. Like, don't get me wrong. I see all the earmarks of things that are like things why people would like it. It's just not my thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and like right on you, like Family Guy isn't my thing. I, I hear you listen to Family Guy every once in a while. I'm just like, I kind of laugh a little bit and then I'm like, well, I'll never watch that. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's background noise, but every now and then they sneak in a good joke, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I, and I don't know why it makes me laugh, but, like, I don't watch it as it's current. I watch it as it gets on a Netflix. Um, and the most recent, net, like, season they have on Netflix, there Peter wins this uh, raffle to go play baseball with the pros. 
so he runs into old like Wayne Boggs or I, I'm not a sports guy, but anyway, he's tiny and he's like, he's a tiny Caucasian fella and he puts him up against a modern day baseball superstar who's this giant African American fella and he has the, like they're, they're humoring Peter and like his usual fashion, he's like, you jump into his arms and the, the Caucasian player jumps into the, the African American player's arms. He's like, you look like a baby. He's like, so you're going to let your wife play baseball? And he puts, he's like, he's like, how could I say no to baby Boggs? And he puts a bonnet on him and he's like, yeah, she can play. He's like, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. And Boggs bites his finger and Peter's just like, ah, he bit me. <laughs> and I just laugh for like a minute straight. Because <laughs> some babies do. Some babies like bite people. And I've just thought, oh, like crap. Like usually family guy doesn't go for the obvious, like or the least obvious approach there. They usually go for like, Boggs would have jumped out of his fucking arms with a machine gun arm and just shot up the place and it would have turned into a chicken fight. Like subtlety is not family guys thing. It's like it's over the top. Yeah, like like the Simpsons has a nice blend of subtlety and over the top or if you want a lot of subtlety, holy crap, do you watch like uh the Oblongs? Oh, I love the Oblongs. I, I, I totally do. forgot about the Oblongs until I do too. you said like it. that's one of the huge differences between say uh even South Park and the Oblongs as opposed to uh, old Simpsons never used to do this, but new Simpsons and Family Guy. Uh, new Simpsons and Family Guy, hold your hand. Like, they'll explain jokes to you. Whereas, like, the Oblongs, if you didn't get the joke, oh, well, watch it again. You'll get it later. Yeah. There's so many jokes that uh, when we were watching that on uh, Teletoon back in the day, I had no fucking clue. And then you bought you bought that pack the whole show and then so many of the jokes i was like this was funny before but now it's just right over the top there's even stuff like there's even stuff that i didn't know happened like things you hear in the background or just like it, clone high is another good example like clone high uh a lot of the main jokes they're pretty relevant to everybody like there's al jokes jokes based on alcoholism being a loner that kind of thing or, like, mm. or being oblivious right yeah but there's other stuff like posters on the wall or things like that you never catch on your first, second, or third watch, and then suddenly you're just like watching a fourth time. It's like mostly background noise by this time. And you look up, you catch this poster or something that says something. You're like, "Oh shit!" You're like, "I didn't know that was in there." You know, like Family Guy's not like that. You don't get Easter eggs in Family Guy. You get like, "Here it is, guys!" Like, consume it as we put it on your plate. Yeah, for sure. But we got about two minutes before we wrap up. Uh, have you read anything else? You got any recommendation for our listeners, comics, games, whatever you want? I think my major recommendation uh, is not a superhero comic at all, but that's not detracting. Once again, uh, Die Issue 2 is great. Like, obviously, like, I think it's going to be great. I, I don't think anybody's wrong in saying that, like, if you're enjoying 7 to Eternity, Monstrous, um, just a lot of that indie comic, or you just like a fantasy feel like maybe you caught Reborn uh, when Mark Miller or Millar, or however you pronounce it, did that. Like, if that's up your alley and you're not looking for a superhero read, like, I'd get in on the ground floor of this one because I get the feeling, like, when it really hits its stride, it's going to be, like, monstrous. Or if you want to go back and get a first issue, you're going to be paying out the nose. Yeah. I, I would highly rec recommend monstrous, but that's just flying around, like... Yeah, it's it's huge now. Yeah. I remember when you first brought it home, I was like, what's this? Oh, my God. Even, like, a lot of it flies under the radar. Like, even 7 to Eternity, man, by by the time I found out about it and I tried to get a first issue, like, even on eBay, a first issue was 30 bucks, and it's like, no. Like, a first printing first issue, I should say. Like, I, 
the one I gave you is a third printing, and even that now on eBay is like thirty to forty bucks. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think I read the first die, and I was I was pretty happy with it. I haven't read the second one yet. I haven't been able to go out and go to the comic shop yet. I should do that soon. I'm going tomorrow. I'll be at work tomorrow. But, it, but anyway, yeah, no, no stuff like that. Like, and, and as far as superhero comics, I mean, I'm loving King's work on Batman, but if you want to see King's work at its finest, definitely collect Heroes in Crisis right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the story's bang on, and you're, you're going to get a condensed version of a lot of what people are seeing in Batman right now, especially because I just picked up issue 62. So if you're looking to pick up King's run, that's like Batman Rebirth number one, the one shot before the actual Batman with King kicked in. So you're looking even there at 63 issues plus two annuals. So yeah, I would definitely, you can still get issue one of Heroes in Crisis. Like you should be able to find all four still at this point somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I'd like to take the time to thank Brendan the Zod Father Thompson for coming on. If you want to check out Bren's recommendations, go to your local comic shop or whatever comics dealer you read. And uh, just check it out there. But until next time, it's nerdy work, but someone's got to do it. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.